you feel it, you know it. D. Raw Productions. HSC, and it's your boy D-Raw, the connoisseur, and you already know how I do, man. I open up with some college sports. Let's get on week five of college football, people. Utah, Oregon State was damn sure a good game. 21-7 victory for Oregon State. I picked them to win. Corey said they wouldn't, and they pretty much almost shut out Utah with a 21-0 victory. Uh, Lele, I hope I'm saying his name right. He went 204 yards, one TD, one interception, balled out, enough to get the victory. Another good game that was on the schedule was Georgia and Auburn. Number one, Georgia defeated Auburn 27-20. Beck, he went 313 yards, one TD, one interception. Not too shabby for him to say. You know, expect a little bit better, but it was enough to get the win. Um, Auburn was also their first school um, that Georgia actually played it. I, I really felt like that could really beat them besides, uh, what was it, South Carolina or something like that. Um, but they took care of their business. Next week they got Kentucky, and I'm honestly hoping that Kentucky can go ahead and knock these guys off. I don't really think Georgia is as good as we think they are, um, but I guess time will tell, right? Michigan defeated Nebraska 45-7. That's not really anything to be wound about. Um, Nebraska needs to improve on their offensive side of the ball, uh, especially when they have a solid defense. But a solid defense doesn't score points for them. So uh, improvement will come hopefully someday for Nebraska, but I have yet to see it. You know, thinking about it, Nebraska and Colorado are similar in many ways because they were both pretty good in the 90s, and they both of their programs had fell off. So possibly if they could just get somebody uh, like a prime to go in there and recruit, Nebraska would be okay because they in a, in a big conference. They got a nice stadium. You know, they, they got all of the sites that players want to see. It's just Nebraska, you know, and I, I think overall, of course, you're going to pick Colorado over Nebraska. But, hey, I think they got a lot of potential there is what I'm saying. UT and Texas, number three, Texas defeated number 24, Kansas. I expected more out of Kansas, uh, but you can't really expect a lot when your starting quarterback doesn't really play because he's such of a he's such a dual threat of a quarterback that he knows how to run, in, run and pass it um, at an elite level in, in college, to be honest. And, when you're missing a player like that, you just can't win, and uh, you can't you can't really factory factory build those those points that you really need for your team. So forty to fourteen victory for UT over Kansas is expected. Um, USC played Colorado, and honestly, it was a blowout. So this game um, got a lot closer. In the second half, didn't expect it. Uh, during the first half, I had stopped watching the game, but it ended up being 48-41 USC. 
Um, but you got to say hats off to Colorado. They figured out a way to, you know, avoid some of the pressure and get back on the board. Even though you got to also say hats off to Caleb Williams. Six TDs, one interception, 403 yards. He's looking like the reigning Heisman that he has been uh, called upon. Notre Dame and Duke. Now, I always say Notre Dame is like high-class mediocre. You know, they beat a basketball school in Duke 21-14. You expected more out of Notre Dame. You expected Notre Dame to go out there and wreck shop. 21-14 is not very convincing. But Sam Hartman, he went 222 yards, no interceptions, no TDs. Um, you really can't be mad at, about that. I mean, it's average play, you know, no turnovers. So, hey, I guess a win is a win, right? Alabama defeated Mississippi State 40-17. No surprise there. Milrow, uh, he, he played a, a Sam Hartman game, 164 yards. No um, no passing TDs, no no interceptions, you know, but he did do some work on the ground. That's the least thing I can say. 11 carries, 69 yards, two TDs. That boy played a dual threat um, weapon in that game, for sure. Uh, LSU Ole Miss, number 13, LSU, 20 Ole Miss. They had a battle. 55-49, LSU went down. But, man, a game like this, you always got to look. Daniels for LSU, 414 yards passing, four TDs. You better keep him circled as a Heisman uh, runner-up. But only thing about that, he's kind of falling off because he's not getting the victory. And that's the second loss that LSU has taken. And, um, unfortunately, we, 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 you know, I don't know. I don't know what to say about LSU, man. They got to improve on their defense, and I, I think that's the biggest issue right now. LSU is playing like a, a American Athletic School, all points, no defense. You know, and, and that's that's pretty much what, what we're getting right now. Um, man, it, it's it's been some good games um, in college football, but then there's been some bad, and there's been a lot of blowouts lately. You know. Florida and Kentucky, 33-14. Number 22, Florida at that. Lost to unranked Kentucky. But I will say this. Kentucky, you know, they went in there uh, undefeated. And they proved why they are undefeated. And they showed reasons why they know how to win the game. Florida, 3-2. Wait. You know, they're 3-2 now. How the hell... How in the hell are they ranked? Because, this, yeah, man, Kentucky should be ranked. I don't know who Kentucky been playing. You know, maybe they've been playing some trash schools or whatever and and just hyping them up. You know, you look at the record, like, yeah, Kentucky. And I think that's what I got right now. But uh, 33-14, it, it says a lot about them. They ain't too bad. They not too bad. So let's look at some of the local schools. You know, I got to look at. U of H, Houston Cougars, baby. Yeah, they disappointed me, by the way. Uh, lost to Texas Tech, 49-28. to um, I expected more out of U of H, man. They they had the lead on the uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders in the first quarter, I know for sure. It was at least like 14-0. You get a 14-0 lead, bro, you should be able to put this team away. Start running the ball. 
be, but still be a, 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 a tad bit aggressive, you know, a good dink and dunk here, a good deep pass there, you know, do some things to keep the game in your favor. But instead, the defense just gave it all up, bro. I mean, they just gave it all up real, real fast. It was 14-14 in the first quarter. Going into the second quarter, uh, U of H ended up putting up 28, not 28 altogether, but it was 28 uh, to about, it was like 28 to 35 or something, 30-something. You know, I, I can't remember the, the exact score, but U of H was down already. Halftime come, U of H make some uh, readjustments, and they go out there, and they just suck. They suck all the way, bro. They ain't put up no points in the second half. Final score, 49 to 28. Just disappointing. So let's talk about that. Donovan Smith, he played his ass off. 30 for 41, 336 yards passing, four TDs. You know, and you look at the other side, Morton, 14 for 22, 161 yards passing, two TDs. Then we're looking at our running backs, um, Jenkins, Parker Jenkins. He had 13 carries, 71 yards, no TDs, but it's still suitable to win the game. Valdez on Texas Tech, six carries, 111 yards, one TD. How do you let a team running back, one guy, carry the ball six times and average yards like that, bro? That is just disappointing. And right there, I got to say, fire Doug Belk because he is not the DC for this team. He is not the D.C. that's going to allow U of H to be successful. And that's pretty much obvious at this point. Sam Brown for U of H, he had 10 receptions, bro. 10 receptions for 113 yards and a touchdown. Do you guys know that this guy has averaged 100 yards receiving? 100 yards receiving every game this year. That being said, Keep giving him the ball and find him in situations where you know he's going to succeed, where you know he needs the ball, bro. Get him in the end zone. Come on, U of H. Get him in the end zone. But also, that means if everybody's glued on Sam Brown, that means Joseph Manjack has to be open. That means Goldman has to be open. Like, somebody has to be open. There's not any way possible that these guys are not open and Sam Brown just continuously to find uh, ways to get, get the balls in his hands. You know, this is ridiculous, man. U of H's got to improve. Um, um, this this week, upcoming week, they, they will be on a bye week. Um, but on Thursday night, the, the following week, they will be taking on West Virginia. Now, looking at how U of H has played uh, so far this year, I honestly got to say, Juve's going to lose the game, bro. And they're going to lose the game easily. And I think I think West Virginia is going to blow them out. Looking at West Virginia, they're four and, what they're like, four and one. Juve is two and three. And uh, West Virginia is undefeated in conference play, guys. Even though U, U of H is at home. West Virginia is still favored to win this game by 56.1%. Now, that's not a large margin because it gives U of H 43% chance to win the game. But overall, you got to ask yourself, what do you really see U of H doing in this game? I see them putting up points, but I don't see them stopping anybody. I see Donovan Smith possibly, you know, having a pretty decent game, but I just don't see us stopping anybody. I think, 
I think the same players I just said uh, that was successful in last game, Donovan Smith, Parker Jenkins, Sam Brown, I think all those three guys, all three of those guys, will have big games against West Virginia. And they will stand out. But who on the defense is going to make a play? I haven't seen the Cougars' defense look anything uh, close to being ready for the Big 12 since uh, week one. I Look, I'll even give, give them the TCU game. They didn't look bad against TCU. They was, you know, they was making some good coverage plays. They was having some good knockdowns. I think, hell, I think we had a little fumble in there somewhere, interception. But other than that, bro, it's not a lot to talk about with U of H. Um, I'm going to go review some more tape on them uh, over the week. So um, when I talk about the, the next um, week of college football, I can give you a, a little bit more in-depth uh, review of what I expect U of H to do. Um but right now, I think it's going to be an a L for us, for sure. For sure. Uh, let's look at Rice, though. You know, Rice hasn't disappointed. And if y'all didn't know, Rice decided to copy U of H and get those oiler, well, I won't say oiler colors, but that Houston blue. So they got the, uh, the Houston blue, and they got the gray helmet, white pants with the Houston blue stripe and the red stripe going down the other side. And um, they got the, um, what I said, they got the gray helmet. Yeah, so they, they did a little copycat, you know, try to look like U of H did uh, against uh, UTSA week one. But I, I think I think Houston did it a lot better, for sure. Uh, anyways, Rice got the victory against East Carolina. They took care of their business. Rice now sits at three and two. Um, and they're looking like winners, bro. You know, JT Daniels, he threw two touchdown passes and that's what propelled them to the victory. And I think every time JT Daniels plays well, Rice plays well. And that's, that's that cornerstone player, man. This six or seven year senior is that cornerstone player. Sounds crazy, but he knows how to win and he knows how to do it at Rice. This guy, he has went from USC, I think to Oklahoma to Rice and, Whoever, I, I can't even remember right now. But I know we talked about it before. And at this point, I mean, he might better turn this Rice program around for this season. Rice, look, man, Rice could possibly be bowl eligible. Next week, they'll take on UConn. They should beat UConn easily. Then they'll take on Tulsa. That could be a toss-up. Tulsa sometimes shows, sometimes they don't. I think it could be a shootout. Then they have Tulane. That, that might be actual loss. Tulane could be a loss. SMU, I don't know. Uh, that could be another shootout. But Rice defense has been pretty solid. But even then, even if they, even if they lose those games, I, I will say this: UConn, they'll put them at four and two. And Tulsa, I think they might beat Tulsa. They'll be five and two. Tulane, five and three. SMU, five and four. UTSA, five and five. But I'm saying this, but I actually think they might pull off one of those games. One of those those three games that I said, or two games that I said that they might lose, I actually believe that they could uh, possibly win. It was three games, three games. Tulane, SMU, UTSA. One of those games they're going to pull off for sure. And then they'll face Charlotte and FAU. 
in those last two games, I actually think they're very winnable. I mean, the, the Florida Atlantic game, they got Tom Herman. I haven't really looked too much at their program, but it's winnable, bro. They're, Florida Atlantic is one and three. They can beat them, man. They can beat them. So, Bo eligible. Rice, it's in your favor. I don't I don't think they're going to win like more than six, seven games, but that's going to put them bowl eligible. And it'll be their first time being bowl eligible in a long time. Uh, now, let's say this. TSU. TSU, man. They finally got a victory. They beat Lincoln, California. Very unexpected, but I did say this. One thing I know about TSU, TSU sucks. I don't know who Lincoln, California is, but they probably can beat TSU. And TSU pre proved me wrong. But I'll tell you what, TSU is on a bye week now after beating Lincoln, California, 52-7. to uh, So they get to go over there and cross the street, you know, talk to U of H, and U of H get to cross the street and talk to TSU, and they both can come together and figure out where they need to uh, meet in the middle of the road so both teams can be better. Because uh, I think at this point they should just scrimmage each, each other because neither team has shown me, you know, anything positive really about this season. They both look bad. So TSU takes on Bethune on the 14th. That'll be what, next Saturday. And uh, Bethune will be at home. Bethune-Cookman, so people know. And um, just looking at some of the stats, man, from Bethune, they got a quarterback that's got 366 yards on the season passing, two TDs, one interception. They got a running back that got 50 carries, 139 yards, one TD. Uh, receiver with 17 receptions, 144 yards, three TDs. That that don't really sound too exciting. And then you look at Texas Southern, they got uh, Wilson, 479 yards passing, four TDs, one interception. Owens. Uh, running back, 60 carries to 404 yards, two TDs, uh, and a receiver with 23 receptions, 197 yards, two TDs. Now, we just write all that down on paper. I'm just writing it on paper. If I compare the two, I got to say TSU can get this victory. But it seems like every time I pick TSU, they always disappoint. Now, looking at who Bethune has lost to, they, they lost to, uh, who was that, Alabama State. <coughs> Sorry, 1914, Jackson State, 22-16, and the University of Miami, Miami, 48-7. Uh, then they beat some school. I, I honestly couldn't even tell you who the hell they are. SAV, 31-6. And uh, they also played Memphis, and they lost 56-14. So if we just look at their last five games, they played two um uh, F FBS schools, Memphis and Miami. So if you take those two out, uh, Bethune is really like one and two, right? And and I mean, you, I guess you can kind of say the thing, same thing about Miami. I mean, about Texas Southern, um, because they played Lincoln, they beat them, but they lost to Grambling thirty five twenty three. They lost to Rice fifty nine seven, and they lost to Toledo seventy one and three, and then they lost to PV in overtime thirty seven thirty four. Uh, just looking at how they play, who they play. Actually, I got to lean towards Bethune Cookman now because Bethune Cookman played better schools as far as football. And if I'm just looking at how many points they put up, I think Bethune Cookman offense 
might actually be a little bit a little bit better. I don't know. I mean, statistically, when I'm just looking at their star players, I will say, hell no, TSU all the way. But somehow, man, I, I just think Bethune-Cookman might beat TSU. And TSU will be 1-5. I think TSU should give me a call, bro. I can go over there and be an assistant coach, help them out somewhere. Uh, linebackers or something, bro. You know, running back, something. Like, for real. I think I can help that team get better. Help them with recruiting. I mean, you right in the heart of Houston. TSU as a campus has really improved. Um, and you're across the street from U of H. If, if U of H can recruit, which they need to improve too uh, in recruiting, uh, then TSU can as well. And I think I can help them schools. I'm, I'm telling you, man, for real. Call me. Call D-Rod a connoisseur. I'm telling you, I know. I know where to go. PV in Mississippi uh, Valley State played against each other. Um, PV... Pulled off the dub, man. PV pulled off the dub. Wait, 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 wait. PV and Grambling played against each other. And I know I had picked PV to win this game 35 to 20. Um, unfortunately, they got the L, bro. 35-20, they was at home. It was a second home game. And so far, they haven't won a game yet at home. And PV is pretty much uh, disappointing their fans. But guess what? Next week, they take on Mississippi Valley State. And this might be the first game of the season that they could possibly, possibly pull off the dub. Um, only reason I say that is because, I mean, PV hasn't been playing bad football there they're uh, almost 500, like two and three. Um, Mississippi Valley has not won a game yet. They're 0 and, like 0 and 4, uh, 0 and 1, 0 and 2 in the conference play. So just looking at that overall, don't know a lot about Mississippi Valley State, but um, looking at some of the statistics, bro, they, they, their quarterback, he only threw for 227 yards and one touchdown so far this year. But PV quarterback, um, he hasn't really did anything more, per se. Their quarterback in Williams, he, he's not too amazing. But uh, PV quarterback is not, not too uh, bad either. You know, Conley, um, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a, a, a duel in quarterbacks. Whoever can keep the ball, you know, a little bit longer as far as uh, – Having a ball on their side, uh, possession of the ball, I want to say, um, I think we'll win this game. I think it's going to be about the running backs, how you get it done on the ground game, and what you do in the red zone for uh, PV. I think a lot of times they, they, they come up short in the red zone. And I think this will be the game <coughs> the game uh, where they actually kind of turn things around. So I look to see PV win this game, and uh, hopefully they, they do it at a, a – at a um, blowout fashion. For sure. So, uh, uh, we got Houston Christian University, right? Yeah, they disappointed me, man. They lost to Lamar. I think it was, what, 21-19. And you got to start wondering, what is the new coach really changing at this school? 21-19, Vic, I mean, not victory. Uh, loss for 
HCU, Houston Christian University. And uh, yet again, they, they let me down. They was at home. So this is their second home game, real home game, not that Arkansas Baptist game. And so I would call this the actual home opener against some real talent. And, and they was close, but not close enough. And I checked the score on this game. I think I was, at the time, I was in the air uh, going to Vegas. Uh, go check out that Charlo fight, you know. And I seen ACU with the victory, man. I was like, yeah, ACU, you know what I'm saying? They, they take care of their business today. I thought they had turned the page on the program, man. And then... By the time I landed, I looked at I said, oh, 21-19 loss. 21-19 loss. Like, come on, bro. Well, a loss is a loss, I guess, people. I mean, I wasn't there to really just fully get an understanding of why they lost the game. But looking at the next week, they play Nichols. And Nichols is a school that sometimes put out a pretty decent football team uh, on the FCS level. But um, don't be surprised. But don't be surprised if HCU somehow pulls off a dub. It's very, very possible. I mean, I think if HCU open up the game the right way, you know, get ahead on, on Nichols, I think I think we'll have a chance, you know. Um, the quarterback just got to take care of the ball. He can't be throwing too many interceptions. Uh, the running game needs to be successful. Honestly, bro, like, any any team to truly succeed, you got to have a decent running game. It don't matter what level of football you're on. It could be middle school, high school, uh, college, NFL, pro, whatever you want to call it. You got to have a good running game. I didn't say you have to have a good running back. You got to have a good running game to get your quarterback going. Now, your quarterback can be Poochies after that. But if he's a good game manager, which I hope uh, Suits is for ACU, then – I think ACU can win the game. But, like I said, that's what it's really all going to come down to. And hopefully, uh, ACU can just put it together, man, and, and get the dub. Um, we'll see, though. We will see. So, um, as usual, you know, we got to talk about these upcoming games for this week. It's week six of college football upcoming. And we got some good matchups, people. Some real, real good matchups. Matchup number one. It's number one, Georgia and Kentucky. Both teams undefeated. Face off against each other. Um, Georgia will go in... Well, they'll be at home, actually. Kentucky will go into Georgia, hoping to get the dub. And I think Beck is going to play his best because, you know, they got some some top-ranked competition coming in. Uh, both teams undefeated. I don't really know what to expect out of this Kentucky team. I've seen them play a couple times, and what I've seen was pretty good, you know. But Kentucky's another basketball school that's trying to compete uh, against a, a football school, you know, notoriously known. For, for their football, especially the past couple years. Um, man, I, I really hope Kentucky can knock this team off because, like I said, what I've seen from Georgia, it's not 
really too exciting. I think Kentucky got a chance, but I guess time will see. Time will tell, I want to say. Um, not so sure overall, though. Biggest game of the week, though, Red River Rivalry. Uh, UT and Oklahoma play a neutral site game at, you know, at the Cotton Bowl, as usual, every year. Um, I think UT is going to take this game. It's going to be a close game, though. Oklahoma is going to duel it out. Um, what to really expect, though, I think Quinn Ewers, he's going to be the main benefactor of the game. He has to take care of the ball. Uh, but also, this is another game where the running the ball is going to be very, very, very important for UT because that's what they're, they have always been built upon, running the ball and then giving the ball to their, their quarterback to make plays. And if they can do that, I think UT can definitely defeat Oklahoma. But let's not just skip out on Oklahoma because Oklahoma got a bona fide receiver in Farouk, and he knows how to get open. I've been seeing him do it all year. So uh, if Dylan Gabriel and and his squad can just shine, bro, I think Oklahoma can win that game too. So it's kind of a toss-up, but I'm going to lean UT. Um, another good game to look at, you know, two undefeateds. The Ohio State University and Maryland. You know, looking at these two schools, um, Maryland, they have been on an upward trend. They are a lot better than what you have expected in the past. But for Maryland to win this game, the biggest thing they have to do, bro, is slow down Marvin Harrison Jr. And I don't think we have seen anybody be able to do that so far this season. It's almost impossible for them to slow down someone so talented. I mean, this guy just really just got his father's DNA all the way around, right? Um, like I said, man, if you can't slow down Marvin Harrison Jr., you can't win. And the only team that slowed him down was, I think, was in, uh, no, they didn't slow him down. He was still balling out even in the uh, college football playoff. They just figured out other ways to, you know, to outshine Ohio State at the time when, you know, when Ohio State lost. I can't remember who they played last year. But uh, McCord, he's going to get the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. They're going to easily defeat Maryland. And let's just move on. USC, Arizona. Uh, USC goes in undefeated, as you know, as usual uh, so far at this point with, with, a, with a guy like Caleb Williams. They will be at home against Arizona. Not sure what to expect, but I heard this Fafita guy for Arizona is pretty solid. Um, don't know what Caleb Williams going to do today, man. I'm hoping that, hey, I had picked this uh, this bet on their receiver. I think his last name Jackson or Richardson or something like that. I need him to get a touchdown. So as long as they do that, man, hey, go ahead, USC, succeed. I mean, they should be Arizona. It should be an easy victory for them. Arizona hasn't really been too competitive, but they are like three and two, so don't count them out for sure. Notre Dame, Louisville. Uh, you know, you know how what I say about Notre Dame. Louisville was notoriously a basketball school a couple of years ago, but uh, we'll we'll see what they do. You know, Lamar Jackson came through there, uh, shook them up a little bit. They got some better recruits. Um, this is their year, though. They're undefeated. They're at home, and they're playing number 10 Notre Dame. 
man, this game can't be any better for them under the lights in Louisville, bro. Like, seriously, Sam Hartman coming in there, you know, he still got the hype. I don't know why, because last week he didn't do anything. As I said, 222 yards, passing, no TDs, no interceptions, no fumbles, no rushing touchdowns, no nothing. He just threw the ball. I mean, I can go out there and just dish the ball out and throw no interceptions. I, I think I can. Put me out there. Let's find out. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm going to roll with Louisville on this one, though. I know I know Notre Dame is supposed to be pretty good this year, but Louisville at home on a Saturday night, it's, it's hard to go against that. It's really hard to go against that, especially when you're looking at this team is undefeated. We've seen Notre Dame get beat by Ohio State, and at this point, we kind of know the blueprint on how to beat Louisville, and, and it's shown, you know. Uh, another good game, Alabama-Texas A&M. Well, it's always a good game on paper, but for the last couple years, I think uh, the record for Alabama being A&M is like 2-10 or something, you know. Since they've been in the SEC, it's like 2-10, so... I think Alabama's going to beat them again, as usual. A&M always put up a good fight, but, who? I mean, what else do you really expect? Do you think Milrow's going to really uh, play his best ball of the uh, season so far? I mean, he might. It looks like he's uh, starting to lock down that QB position, though. There's no more battles about that. So, I think Milrow can just go out there and ball out, do, a, do enough to, to beat A&M, in which... Honestly, I don't really think it's that hard for them to beat them because they've done it so many times. And at this point, man, no matter if it's Jimbo Fisher or, um, uh, dang, bro, what's my guy from U of H, man? I can't remember his name, uh, the black coach. But it doesn't matter if it's him or Jimbo Fisher. Neither one of them knows how to succeed at A&M. And honestly, I'm going to go ahead and say it, man. A&M is some high-class bullshit, too. They're just like Notre Dame. UCLA, Washington State. I don't understand why UCLA is not ranked. I know they had lost that one game, I think, to Utah. But overall, bro, UCLA has been pretty good. Washington State ranked number 13 in the nation. They both got with the same record or something, right? So uh, I'm going to ride with UCLA, though. I think they're going to bounce back. I think they're going to get the dub. Washington State, they okay, but... They ain't nothing to really just be ranking at number 13. Like, come on now, bro. It's Washington State. Come on, people. Um, LSU, Missouri. I almost skipped out because we was about to turn the page on them, man. LSU and Missouri will face off against each other. LSU will be away in Missouri. Um, Missouri is number 21. LSU is number 23. So that's a good top 25 battle. Against two schools in the SEC. Um, I think Missouri is going to play pretty good on the defensive side of the ball. They might even be able to put up a couple points. We already know LSU defense is suspect. So, at that point, I might ride with uh, Missouri in this game. Them being at home, I think they should be favored to win this game. Um, I'm, I'm going to say that the spread of this game, I know it's, it's pretty small right now, but... I think anywhere from like 10 to 14 points leaning towards uh, Missouri. Missouri get the victory, for sure. Um, now, the latest game that a lot of people might not really look at because it's Mountain West, but this is actually a good duel. I've been circling this team 
and a lot of people have been overlooking them. I know they lost to UT, but Wyoming. Wyoming has been playing some solid football. They take on Fresno State, who is undefeated, and Wyoming is at home. And like I said, anytime you got to go 7,000-some uh, feet in, in the air and, and play football on a plateau, man, in Wyoming, it's going to be tough. It's going to be very, very tough, considering that they're coming from Fresno State in California. Them boys, they in for something different. Uh, Wyoming, their fans show up. It gets loud and raucous. The altitude is a factor. They got a lot of factors that's going for Wyoming. And just me saying that, I think Wyoming going to win the game. And Wyoming usually puts together a solid football program every couple years. Like, it, it might be like every three years, man, Wyoming just busts out of the blue, you know, just dominating somebody, bro. And this is their year. This is their year. And I think they're going to run the table in the Mountain West. So keep watching Wyoming football. Be on the lookout. All right, let's turn the page, people. It's NFL time. Yes, sir. The Texans, man, they impressed. They did what they supposed to do, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> nah, for real. Texans, bro, like, I was in Vegas and... Um, they was just whooping ass, bro. And I'm just like, man, I'm watching the game. I'm looking at how we controlling TJ White, how we all over uh, Kenny Pickett, how we just all, we just, we just hitting that boy. You know what I'm saying? Man, that boy CJ Stroud dinking and dunking, hitting him deep, Tank Dell. Man, bro, we played our ass off in that game, y'all. Like, for real. We played our ass off in that game. Bro, Nico Collins, seven receptions, 168 yards, two TDs. Bro, this dude is turning a leaf, bro. Like, he's really he's really starting to show, like, what he can be. Damian Pierce, 24 carries, 81 yards, bro. I even seen that boy truck a couple niggas, bro. Like, man, hold up, bro. Like, let's go Texans, dog. Hey, I was, I was outside on the strip, man. I'm like, let's go Texans. You know what I'm saying? We out there making plays, bro. C.J. Stroud, 16 for 30. 306 yards, two TDs, balling. My boy is balling. But let's look at the other side, though. Kenny Pickett, 15 for 23, 114, one interception. It was conservative on his part, you know, and uh, Mike Tomlin part, but he really didn't play a bad game. I mean, he was under pressure a lot. You know, I think some of his offensive linemen probably could have played better and they could have played a better game. Uh... Najee Harris, 14 carries, 71 yards. And Najee Harris was the leading receiver with 32 yards. That's that's bad on one reception. So, it goes to show that it wasn't all really Kenny Pickett. I mean, he threw one interception. I, and I, if I remember, the interception came later in the game. But he really just needed some separation out of his receivers. If any time your, your running back is the leading receiver, bro, with one reception, 32 yards, yeah, you can scream, oh, it was the quarterback, but really? Was it? Was it really the quarterback? You know, that that's the, the thing you got to have in question. Um, I think, honestly, I think the Steelers came out and laid an egg. One, one, I think they overlooked the Houston Texans. 
So it can it can say a lot of things, but another thing is you got to look at hey C.J. Stroud, bro. Hats off to him. This guy is the only rookie, or well, not the only. He's the second rookie with the most yards by a rookie, you know, through through the first four games of NFL NFL history. My boy, he got. I think he got like a thousand some yards. Right, let me let me look at my boy C.J. Man. My boy got 1,200 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. And he's doing it at a at an elite level right now, bro. Like, if he can keep it up, CJ is on pace to throw for 5,000-some yards. Now, is it possible? Yes. Will it happen? I don't think so. I think he'd probably throw for about four or something. But that's even still great. Because that goes to show that we got a quarterback. And we got a quarterback that we can truly depend on. And as long as he, hey, as long as he not out there um, messing with them girls, bro, them hookers and getting them massages, bro, we'll be all right. But let's look at the next week, uh, next week game. We play the Falcons. The Falcons are our favorite. The spread is two and a half. I think the, the Texans will cover because I think the Texans will win the game. I don't see the Texans losing by no field goal against no Falcons. And the only reason I say that is because <clears throat> Desmond Ritter, he's a solid quarterback. But he's average at best. Three TDs, three interceptions so far on the season, 744 yards in comparison uh, to C.J. Stroud's 1,200 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. It's a different game. But they got B. John Robinson, and then they got another running back. I think it's Algier or something like that. Don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that for sure. But Bijan, bro, he got 53 carries, 318 yards, as he should because he's what, like the most highly paid running back in the league, you know, just first year in the NFL. So he should. Looking at the receivers, though, they got Smith, 179 yards receiving, 15 receptions, no touchdowns. They do have Drake London. So the thing is, like, is the Falcons really going to use their receivers in this game? I think they're going to try to run the ball down our throats. If we could stop the run, though, we could stop the Falcons. But um, if they can get a successful run, then they're going to try to open up the pass windows with some play action. But I think we can slow all that down, bro. I think we can slow all that down. And, and that's, that's going to be the goal right there, you know. Uh, in a little bit, I'm going to bring Corey on so he could talk about his Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, and we could talk about a little NFL uh, predictions, you know, and maybe a little baseball. And then we're going to wrap this, this episode up. But... I think the Texans get the victory. We might even talk on the Texans a little bit. But I think we get the victory, man. I think we beat the, the Falcons possibly by a touchdown. You know, I don't think we're going to blow them out like we did the Steelers or we did the Jags because teams are really starting to see, like, what C.J. Stroud is good at and what he isn't, you know, and how they could probably put a little bit of pressure on him, things like that. But I will say this. I will say this. We get a lot of players back this week. We get Tonsil back this week. We get Titus Howard back this week. Drew Scruggs coming back this week. We get um, Denzel Perriman back this week. We already had our safeties back, man, last week. So you look at that, bro. You look at that. Texas coming ready. And we getting that dub, baby. Yeah, I'm hyped up. We getting that dub, baby. And if we don't, y'all make sure y'all let me know. Talk that shit to me, man. Because I'm going to talk that shit, too, about y'all team, for sure. Um. But let's let's go ahead and do some recap on week four of the NFL, bro. It was some good games out there. 
Lions and Packers played against each other. 34-20 victory for the Lions. Jordan Love disappointed. 246 yards passing. One TD, two interceptions. Coy, this your team. You got to call Green Bay and tell them, hey, they need to sign some receivers. Um, they keep letting the good ones go. And, and right now they got a, young, a lot of young youngsters. Youngsters, youngsters. Because a lot of these guys, I don't think they even played like two seasons in the NFL. And um, I don't really know who's the cornerstone uh, receiver or slash tight end for the Packers. But right now it's obviously not one. And um, Aaron Jones, he didn't really play last week. They had the other guy in. I, I can't remember his name, but he's the big guy that's like 6'1", 250 pounds or whatever. But he runs like he's fucking two. 215 for some reason. I don't know. Um, there's something wrong with this team, man. It's a, it's a lot wrong with the Packers this year. I really don't think they're going to win this division. The Lions, the Lions have been looking real, real good. And if people, if y'all are betters, you better bet on the Lions because they've been looking solid. Um, the run game for the Lions has been looking dominant. David Montgomery, I mean, this guy, he had 32 carries, 121 yards, three TDs. And then... Let's not even forget, he got the little backup rookie running back, too, bro. Like, them boys are dual threat out there, man. And they know how to just switch up the pace. And then they got some nice receivers, too. Like, hey, the Lions is with it, bro. The Lions is with it for the first time in a long time. Um, Then, you know, you had the Jags and Falcons. They played against each other in London. Uh, You know, Jags is doing this little London game series, so... They like home every time they go to London or whatever. Uh, whatever the case scenario is. I don't know. But uh, 23-7 victory for the Jags. And the way the Jags defeated the Falcons kind of go the same. Maybe the Texans can defeat the Falcons the same kind of way. Even though B. John Robinson still rushed for 105 yards on 14 carries. So it's all like, you know, important to look at those things. John o. Smith, six receptions, 95 yards. But hey, if the Texans can play a similar game and and still allow those players to get, get theirs and, and we can counter that and put up some points, we'll be okay. Bills and Dolphins, that was one of the big games of the week. Man, bro, the Bills, 48-20 to 20 victory over the Dolphins, dog. Like, Josh Allen played his ass off, 320 yards, four TDs, no interceptions, bro. Like, Bills, bro, the Bills were serious. And I think... Everybody was so hyped about the Dolphins because they put up all them points on the Broncos, you know. But everybody's kind of flipped the script this week. Even the Broncos, you know, they they end up getting a victory too, 31-28 over the Bears. Now, they did rally and come back because the Bears, I don't know, bro. It's like everybody talking about Justin Fields. But honestly, the last, last week, Justin Fields kind of showed that he is a decent quarterback. 335 on the passing. Four TDs, one interception. And then Herbert, he even did good on the ground. 18 carries, 103 yards. Remember, I said good running opens up good passing. So that just means the offensive line was stepping up and playing good. DJ Moore, eight receptions, 131 yards, one TD. He's getting receivers open. He's getting a good run run uh, game going. And when he gets that, he can throw the ball and duel it out and not turn it over. So, I like that. Browns took the loss, 28-3. 20, uh, Deshaun Watson didn't even play, as, as far as I know. Um, but Lamar Jackson, he didn't play too amazing. 
but he did enough, and he still got two TDs with 186 yards passing. Titans, Bengals. Um, Titans took care of their business, 27-3. It's another game that was another blowout. But I will say this, Ryan Tannehill, it's time for him to sit down. I don't know what they waiting on. 319 yards, one TD, one interception. Nothing amazing, nothing to write about. Um, oh, that's the wrong stat line. That was Matt Stafford, my bad. It's 240 yards, one TD, one interception. Um, and then we look at my boy Joe Burrow. He's just hurt. Like, he's really hurt. And I, and I think at this point, Joe Burrow needs to just sit, sit down for a couple weeks. Man, he needs to go, you know, sit in the ice and – Sit in some heat, you know, all the little different things that they do, all the little remedies so he can get healthy. Because at this point, the Bengals is one and three. And what is the point of Burrow playing? You know, it's, it's not helping the team. They're not winning. So why keep letting his health dwindle away? You just paid this guy all this money, bro. Let him get healthy. Let him get right so he can be the old Joe Burrow, old Joe Burrow that we know. Rams and Colts. Um, the Colts actually had came back in this game. Even though the Rams pulled it out 29-23, they, they did fight, especially in the second half. But I'll tell you this. Matt Stafford, uh, he overcame an injury in this game. Uh, we did say his stat line was 319, one TD, one exception. He did enough to get the victory. Uh, Williams for, for them also rushed for 25 yard, I mean 25 carries, 103 yards, two TDs, played his ass off. Puka Nakua, another big week, nine receptions, 163 yards, one TD. What an amazing day for him uh man this dude this dude as a rookie has been insane i don't think i've witnessed another rookie just having big game after big game like that uh and I, i'm not trying to be funny but especially uh, of, of another race for, for real for real for real in a long time in a long time so hey hats off to this guy i hope he just keep uh excelling through the season and balling out but hey y'all better lock this guy up because he's gonna be a problem in the nfl Baker Mayfield, he turning it around. 246 yards, three TDs, one interception. Another win for the Bucks. They go on to be 3-1, and one, beating the Saints 26-9. Uh, Baker, bro, I, I don't know. I don't know what, what, what he, you know, then learned in Tampa, but whatever it is, he know how to do it and do it right. Derek Carr was ineffective, and he allowed the Saints to lose. You know, at this point, it's like, damn, who's really better, Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo? You know, I think the Raiders just kind of traded for the same guy, honestly. Um, Eagles and Commanders, I hope y'all watched that game. That was a really, really good game. Jalen Hurts, 319 yards, two TDs. But let's not even talk about what the Eagles did. Let's talk about how the, the Commanders fought, bro. Like, them boys look different. For real. Like, you know what I'm saying? They was making plays. Um, and I will say this. A.J. Brown played his ass off. Nine receptions, 175 yards, two TDs. I was really disappointed that the Commanders lost their game because they just played lights out, dog. For real. Vikings and Panthers. The Vikings get their first win on the season. Bryce Young, he went out there for 204 yards. No TDs, no interceptions, uh, just no turnovers. And, you know, he didn't do nothing amazing, nothing to write about. Uh, at this point, so far through, what, five weeks, four weeks, Bryce Young is looking like a bust at best, a bust. Raiders, Chargers, 
Raiders gave up the dub, man. 24-17. to 17. Chargers got it done. Uh, and then, you know, they didn't have Garoppolo. So, they had O'Connell. He did 238 yards, one interception. But Josh Jacobs, he did show up big on the receiving side of the ball, man. He had eight receptions for 81 yards. So, you got to respectively give him the hat in the game ball, even though they lost. You know what I'm saying? He did what he could. He's trying to get paid, and I, I think Jacobs won't be in black and silver next season, for sure. Cowboys, Patriots. I didn't expect the Cowboys to go out there and defeat the Patriots the way they did. 38-3. to Although they did win like that, it's because of the defense. And they scored twice on defense. Dak Prescott continues to disappoint for the Cowboys. 261 yards, one TD. And you got to wonder, will they be ready for the 49ers next week? We'll talk about that later. Niners, they stay on the ground. They stay driving it. Uh, Brock Purdy, 283 yards passing, one TD. McCaffrey, 106 yards rushing on 20 carries and three TDs. Boy, shining. Brandon Ayuk, six receptions, 148 yards. Man, it was a good good week for receivers, bro, for real. Um, and they balled out, and they beat the Cardinals. And it's kind of crazy because they beat the hell out of the Cardinals, 35-16. And the Cowboys got to play them. Chiefs and Jets. This was the first time that a uh, opposing quarterback has ever outplayed Patrick Mahomes. But at the same, they lost. So did you really outplay him? Who's to really say? 245 yards for Zach Wilson. No, I mean, no interceptions, two TDs. Um, he bought out, but it wasn't enough. 23-20 victory for the Chiefs. Pacheco, 20 carries, 115 yards, one TD. Uh, one suit. For one strong suit for the uh, the Jets is their defense, and they didn't show up in this game. But it's hard to stop an Andy Reid offense, right? Seahawks and Giants, 24-3. Seahawks shine. Giants is back on that, that low dwindle that they was doing. Um, and the Seahawks is looking up, bro, 3-1. and one. Um, Balling out, 24-3 victory. Daniel Jones, he did show up. Not enough. 203 yards passing, two interceptions, no TDs. All right, people. So we got Corey on the line today. You know what I'm saying? He ain't here with me live, but but let's uh let's get it going. So I know currently your, your Jags is playing the Bills. The spread for that game was uh five and a half, leaning towards the Bills. But currently the Jags winning eighteen to thirteen. You think the Jags gonna pull it off, bro? Hey, I hope and pray they do. You know Josh Allen always got Josh Allen number. We've proven this time and time again. And let's not forget, this is Josh Allen's contract year. So the bigger impact he makes, the more efficient the defense will be. Plus, he's already tied for first place for six sacks this season. Hopefully he can extend that total. Oh, that boy did his homework on them Jags. I see, I see. Man, I, I have mean, to. I'm actually surprised that Buffalo is actually losing to y'all because, I mean, the way they dominated the Dolphins last week, you know, I I just thought that y'all really didn't have a chance, but um, pretty surprising, bro. Pretty surprising for real. And it, I guess it just goes to show that the AFC really is a toss-up so far this year. You really don't know who's really going to be the dominant team on the AFC side. Honestly, I want to thank you. Because I want to thank you and the Texans organization. 
Because every year when y'all slap us around like we trash, it just re- it just creates a resurgence in our team, and it makes us more resilient. Because if it wasn't for that loss, we wouldn't have dominated Atlanta, and we wouldn't be winning in this Buffalo game. It's something about those Texans that just puts a lights a fire underneath us. So thank you. Hey, Texans, I appreciate it. The Texans might be lighting a couple fires because I wonder what the Steelers going to look like this week as well. The same. Because Kenny Pickett is out. We already know what Mitch Trubisky going to bring you. Nothing but pain. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. They they do play the Baltimore Ravens, though, so it, it probably will be a loss for them. Um, but Oh, it's not, that's not enough. It will. Because you got to realize, teams like that, and I've noticed that over the years. I understand that defense wins championships. I get that. But you can't expect your defense to put up points. You got to find some way to get the team in position to actually score some points. And for some odd reason, Najee Harris hasn't really been the running back that we know and trust. Najee, I think Najee's struggling so far this year because of the offensive line, bro. Like, when I'm looking at the Steelers, I think – I think the offensive line is not as good as it was last year. So it kind of affects Kenny Pickett and, and it affects Najee Harris uh, on the ground. Yeah, and he's lost a lot of receivers too. Deontay Johnson is out. George Pickett's been banged up a little bit. So it's, it is rough for the Steelers right now, but I already know Mike Tomlin is going to pull it out. I still expect them to win at least 10 games. And I feel like if you bring in Trubisky, as long as you let him manage the clock and they just pound the ball on the ground, they should be okay. Yeah, that, that's facts. So uh, Carolina and the Lions play against each other. Now, I know Detroit should win this game, but do you expect anything out of Bryce Young as far as improvement? Um, and Improvement? So the crazy part about that, I feel like Frank Wright is doing him a disservice this year. And I'm not really understanding. Like, if you knew Bryce Young wasn't ready, you should have just went on and just started Andy Dalton. Just let him, because he out there, he's he's looking like he's just, like he's lost. He looks lost in the offense, like he's not reading the defense well or anything. You might as well just, I don't want, I don't want him to be screwed up in years to come. I want him to develop, and I feel like he has the right coach. But I don't know what's going on right now. And I don't want to say, like, the writing is on the wall as far as, like, bust. But we could we could see another Baker Mayfield in, in the making, just going from team to team until he finally finds his niche to get things going. And I don't want that for him, but especially since they traded so much to get him. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the main factors that's hurting him is that he really only got what uh, – well, he, he really ain't got no receivers. When I'm trying to think. Hey, I, he ain't got I, no receivers. I told you Adam Thielen is past his prime, but that wasn't going to work. I yeah. already knew that. Yeah, he, he they is should have found a way to keep DJ Moore. But, you know, at the same time, bro, I, I think that uh, – I don't know. I don't want to call him a bust, but I read this article, and they had him uh, listed as the number one bust so far this season out of the uh, young rookies. And his processing, you know, they was talking about how he could process plays and read defense and all that kind of shit with, with his IQ and, and all the, the things he was doing uh, in training camp and all that. 
now you see him in, in full speed and it looked like he he the one that uh failed the iq test they was so so uh talk you know they was talking shit about cj stroud so much and uh anthony richardson but looks like the guy that they hyped up bro is, is the wrong guy ain't kidding because anthony richardson looks great out there and we are no cj stroud is the next big thing all you got to do he is he's he's coming along so well he's even had a resurgence for nico collins that yeah. boy got john mechie out there looking great he 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 has brought the fire back into robert woods bro he's making his receiver core look amazing no turnovers he is improving at least he's averaging two touchdowns a game right now like and the fact that he's had to do it with a makeshift online that should tell you something right there bro the culture is really changing uh at nrg bro it's really changing uh i know it actually got a, a solid division battle this week though you got the titans and the Colts playing against each other titans favor to win the game Colts at home though <laughs> So what I'm what I'm still waiting for the Titans to do, and I know last week he it's was not turning Hill, the ball over. He wasn't doing nothing, but it's time to put the Tannehill story to rest. Yeah, it's yeah, I said that. Have, it's time to have a Will Levis sight. Bro, I said that earlier because Tannehill he he threw for like 240 yards, one TD, one interception. I was like, I don't think Will Levis could get in the game and do no worse than that, bro. Like, why not play him? Or at least, or at least Malik Willis, if you feel like um, he's not ready. But if there is not a change of guard, at least by week eight, I, we already know for a fact this Mike Brable last year. Yeah, I feel like they've given him all the tools to succeed, and he's blown every last one. Yeah, he will be blowing it because at that point they they'll see that he don't want to change things, and and that's that's bad for coaching. Yes. You, the crazy part about it, it is completely deja vu for the Titans. Because you know who Mike Vrabel is reminding me of right now? Who? Jeff Fisher. Ah. Jeff Fisher, yeah. He, he <laughs> liked to stick to the same he things, always want to go with the old guard, didn't want to change. Oh, we, we can do it with this person. Because remember, he never he never wanted to move on to Vince Young. He wanted to stick with Kerry Collins. Hey, same scenario. You got an explosive QB on the bench. You don't want to use it because you feel like he going to be young and going to be irresponsible with the football. What is the old one doing? He ain't doing nothing. <laughs> like, you just stagnant. He ain't like, doing nothing but showing his age at this point, bro. Hey, uh, the Eagles and Rams face off against each other at 3 o'clock. Do you think the Eagles get their first loss? Because, I mean... The one thing the Rams do got going for them is they do got that D line, and if they can kind of slow down the run game and stop, uh, stop, uh, uh, damn, what's his fu- fucking name um, from running the ball, uh, Jalen Hurts. Oh, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, if they can stop him from running the ball and, and force him to pass, I think the Rams might have a chance. So this is what I doubt that the Eagles are gonna do today. And so what's that thing that they trying to change? That tush push? 
They need a consist. Now they are the ones who really should have went after Jonathan Taylor, even though he resigned. You know, I'm all for somebody getting their paper. Three years, forty-two million, twenty-six point five guaranteed. He can actually help the Anthony Richardson saga continue. But at the same time, the Dolphins should have been trying to move heaven and earth to get that running back to come down because yeah. that would have. Balance out their offense completely. Yeah, they would have definitely completed their offense. And uh, speaking of that, Jonathan Taylor is now the third highest paid running back in the NFL. For real? Yeah. Who the other two? Who the highest? Uh, I think it was like Bijan and somebody oh else. Oh my bro. god! Somebody else. I I can't remember. But he's paid more than Derrick Henry. Well, he's younger than Derrick Henry too, though. He at least, what, five, six years younger than Derrick Henry? Yeah, at this point, yeah. Probably is. Let me see. Top. Oh, it's Christian McCaffrey. Oh, my God. He is 16, 16 million a year. And a 49ers paid him that? Or did he, get, or did he earn that when he, when he was still with the Panthers? No, nah, he got that deal with the 49ers. Oh, man. Well, he's earned it so far. Yeah. I will say that. He has heard it so far. McCaffrey, that boy is a dual threat. Hey, he's a dual threat of all dual threats in the NFL right now. That boy, he can get you a 1,000 yards receiving and a 1,000 yards on the ground. <laughs> but he's doing that because he's behind the best offensive line in the league. Nah, but he was doing that in Carolina, too. Yeah, yeah you got a point there. Got a point. But he was taking them injuries because of them, though. Yeah. Well, look, Monday night, you got Vegas and the Packers. Vegas at home. Surprisingly, Vegas is favorite to win the game. I don't know if Garoppolo is going to be back, but hopefully Garoppolo playing. Garoppolo is playing. Well, I guess we're going to get a little duel of quarterbacks, but I think Jordan Love going to shine a little bit better than uh, Garoppolo. Man, the Packers got to bounce back from that tragic loss. They're going to win that game, and all they're going to do is spiral down further and further. The, the Raiders organization, I, I just don't know. Because, you know, they, they already released uh, – what's the defensive end? They released it. Uh, Chandler Jones, yeah, he's gone. Yeah. I, so, I don't know where he going to end up at. Yeah, I, I don't know uh, I don't know what the future uh, is for him at this point. I'll tell you this, though. If – only if – I'm going to say if because I feel like they're going to have to play hard. If – the Raiders lose this game before the trade deadline, he will be gone. De- Devontae Adams will be gone. But where could he go? And who's going to pay anywhere, the price to get him? Anywhere but Vegas. Well, you know, it's gotta, you know wherever he's going, it's going to be somewhere competitive. So I'm going to tell you a good destination fit. You might say I'm crazy. The Chargers are a good fit for him because, you know, they just lost Mike Williams. That's a good one. I will say, let me see. No, not Seattle because they, they got enough. And then you, you say it's got to be a – and I feel like he got to be a contender too. I feel like Buffalo needs to make the move. Buffalo needs it. You think – Because he won't – he won't go to the Jets. Now was Zach Wilson now. But it's a waste. I don't. I don't see how Buffalo could really pull it off, though. I mean, 
Because they don't really Look, you give them, if they you give them Gabe Johnson, you give them one of those safeties and like a third round pick, bam, nah, bro. you in there. Nah, bro. Buffalo don't need to lose nothing on defense. What you mean? If they lose, look, I'm not saying you got to give up somebody. Give up DeMar Hamlin, give up Gabe Johnson, and then bam, give him a third round pick. Boom, you was in there. This <laughs> Super Bowl battle. <laughs> well, it looks like y'all finna get a victory, dog. We need it. Uh, we need it. I don't know. We'll we'll see about that uh that trade. We we're gonna have to look more into what the uh, Raiders do. You know what I'm saying? He needs well, to. Let me tell you hey, look, he needs to go back to Green Bay. On Madden, the, the, the trade probably won't happen. You heard? Him? He needs to go back to Green Bay, bro. He needs to do what? Go back to Green Bay. Nah, no. They need receivers no. bad, like right now. No, they don't. They got a young receiving core. None of them boys really look good, though. They all looking average, bro. Ain't none of them guys standing out. Man. That's why they, that's why they lost, bro. That's why they lost last week. We'll see. How do you think the Texans are going to do against Atlanta? Because Atlanta's weird to me. I don't, like, I don't really know how to, like, I don't know if their defense is good. We know their offense is, you know, it's up and down, but I know it's heavy, relying on the Honestly, run. But I Honestly, just don't know, um, like, what to expect from Atlanta. I think some people we say Desmond Ritter's good. Some people say he's not. So I don't know. Well, I'm gonna say this: Desmond Ritter is an average quarterback at best. He he's good. With his, he's good with his feet. Um, to stop Atlanta, you really got to stop Desmond Ritter from run, running the ball, and you got to slow down Bijan Robinson. If you if we could slow down Bijan Robinson, keep him out the end zone, and who's the other running back they got? Uh, uh wasn't that Algier? Yeah, Algier, whatever. If we could slow them three guys down, bro, I don't really think they're going to be a problem because it doesn't really seem like they really utilize their receivers. Even though they got Drake London and shit, they really don't utilize them to his, his full potential. So I think if we could slow down the run, then they can't do no play action to get the ball to their receivers. And I think we'd be all right because Desmond Ritter be inaccurate anyways when he's throwing the ball. Okay. Okay. You know, so, yeah, we got a lot of good games on the docket today, man. I'm excited. The NBA preseason is up. I mean, it's back on. Hey, did and you, uh, got... you seen the Astros? Yeah, they did win yesterday. Hey, but you know what? Let me tell you something. The Astros, they need to quit playing around with the Twins like that. Because Minnesota really want it. And, you know, Carlos Correa trying to get revenge. They need to be mindful of that. Man, I, I was surprised that Verlander got the win, but then I thought about, you know what, Verlander always do good in this part of the, the postseason. It's the World Series when he start throwing up all the, them damn balls. Man, you know who I was disappointed in yesterday, though? Oh, my God. Did you see Clayton Kershaw out there yesterday? Oh, bro, yeah. They allowed, what, 11 hits? 11 runs, I mean? He got pulled in the first inning. He allowed six runs in the first inning. Hey. Well... I think he's done. He needs to go ahead and let it go. So tell me this. Tell me this. So looking at looking at let's just let's just do some overreactions. After looking at everybody's game one on the NLDS and the ALDS, who do you see going into the uh the ALCS? Um, I actually see I actually see Baltimore in Houston and I see the Phillies against the um uh, Diamondbacks. 
Now, let's see. Well, the, the Phillies, you said Phillies and Diamondbacks. Hmm. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the NLCS and then the ALCS. I see the Astros I'm kind of questionable with, with our Astros only because of pitching, bro. Like, I think today it would be a better uh, estimate to give me, you know, an opportunity to really see where the Astros sit because I think Framber Valdez pitching. So we already yeah. kind of knew what we was gonna get out of uh, out of uh, Verlander, but no, Valdez, we don't. We never know what we're getting out of Verlander. Nah, you you kind of know what you're gonna get. Like in the early post part of the postseason, he he pretty much is consistent, but in the latter part, like World Series, nah, I don't know, bro. Verlander be tripping. But uh, let's see. I think the stage be too much for him. I actually, I think this series might go five games. Um, I think the Astros pull it off, bro. I think the Astros pull it off, and the Orioles they won a hundred some games, so they've been good all year round. Um, that that bro, series will go five games because guess what? The 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 Dodgers win. 108, 106, 104 games every year, and they never, never make it. Well, they made it to the World Series, what, in the past 10 years, twice? Yeah, it was like twice or three times. Three, might have been three times. No, they they won one and they lost two. Or they won one and lost one. I think they lost two. Whatever the case may be. I think they lost two. Cause that one year they they had went in the uh when it was COVID remember the little bubble yeah and they won yeah they won that one yeah, that was when they won yeah the, the asterisk and then they had lost they lost to the Astros and then uh they lost to somebody else uh. I think they did I think they lost yeah but they I know for sure they only won one but uh Rangers and Baltimore bro I think the Rangers might figure out a way to get this victory uh over them. And it might be a Texas uh, ACLS. Oh, I mean, it should. It needs to be. I, I would love to see that rematch. I'm about to say, and it, and it's I'm good always for, here for it's, it. It's good for the uh, viewership and, and money, you know. So, I, I think I think baseball can push that. Oh, yeah. So, Dodgers and Diamondbacks, they did. Although although the Diamondbacks did blow out the Dodgers, bro, I think the Dodgers will eventually win the series. Nah, nah, because like don't get me wrong, they got they got all of the the tools so they, as far as like hitting, but their pitching has really been declining over the past couple of years, and I feel like they put too much emphasis on Clayton Kershaw, and that's why they can't really be successful. Like we know on the as far as the bats go, oh they got it hands down, Mookie Betts, whoever they ready, but other than that, no, it's no good. I think the I think the Braves gonna advance against the Phillies. What? No. Oh yeah, I, I believe that too. Bryce Harper wants this. He wants that rematch. He wants that rematch in Houston. Uh, it's gonna be a tough one, bro. Well, I'm, I am happy about this. I'm happy that the Braves and the Phillies are playing against each other. So it cancels out one of them teams that we already didn't play, and then. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, whoever uh, come out of the Dodgers and, and Diamondbacks, hopefully they could beat either the Braves or Phillies in the uh, next round. So we can, you know what I'm saying, probably get that rematch with the Dodgers or uh, play the Diamondbacks or something for the uh, title. Oh, hell yeah. 
That's if we that's if we can go the distance, but I'm, I'm unsure. No, we always do though. We always do. All right, so people, uh, one of the last couple things I want to talk about is the Houston Dynamo. The Dynamo has been on a tear. Um, currently, they are doing pretty well in co- I mean, uh, soccer. They're fourth in the MLS, and um, if you remember, they did beat um, Inter Miami for the Open Cup, the U.S. Open Cup, and now they're fourth in the MLS. They should be able to get into the playoffs. It'll be the first time in a long time for the Dynamo to be in the playoffs. So everything is kind of, you know, looking up in the city of Houston. You know, the, the Houston Texans looking like uh, some, someone that can get victories. The uh, the, the Dynamo is doing good. The Astros doing good. Only if we can get the Houston Cougars on the right page. Um, but also, when uh, I look at the Dynamo, I, I see a lot of good things. They, they got a, a lot of good strikers, a lot of good, good defenders. Um, they're not allowing a lot of uh, goals against them. So that's that's always a good thing. And they're putting up points at a high rate. Like, man, they just played uh, Colorado, and they put up five goals. So that goes to show Dynamo got some offense. Now, the only thing I would like to see is them play Miami again, and Messi actually plays. I don't know what he's doing, why he's holding out or whatever. He needs to hurry up, get back on the field in the MLS so I can see my Houston Dynamo knock off Messi. Uh, boxing. Now, I didn't get to really give my predictions on the Charlo and Canelo fight, but I will just talk about it a little bit. What I've seen was Canelo is not as fast as he used to be. He's starting to show his age. When I seen him moving around the ring and his uh his strategy to win the fight, it was pretty much let me be a dog, let me be a bulldog, let me let me put Charlo in the corner because I know Charlo ain't as big as me and his punches don't hurt as much. But from what I seen, Charlo he was just scared. Like I don't know why. Like it's crazy, bro. Like what was Charlo really doing? Because I I feel like Charlo could have really won the fight. Many times, Charlo had the ability to really just be elusive and, and counterattack uh, Canelo, but it's like he wouldn't let his hands loose. He was too quick for Canelo, to be honest, even though Canelo was banging him up and trying to uh, act like... Canelo was out there trying to act like he was uh, George Foreman or something, trying to throw him in a corner, hit him, put him on the ropes, and, and uh, have a rumble in the jungle and all that, but he, he really wasn't delivering that hard of a hit. You know what I'm saying to Charlo to where Charlo really was about to go down. Like everybody's like really overdoing it, bro. Like Charlo, he fought a good fight, but he fought a scary fight. And if he was more aggressive, he probably could have won the fight. I already figured the fight was gonna go uh and you know to the twelfth round and be a unanimous decision or whatever, and probably lean towards uh Canelo because that's where the money is at. There was no way that he was gonna win the fight against. Charlo, I mean, against Canelo uh, without knocking him down or putting him to sleep. You know what I'm saying? So, honestly, come on, people. Let's let's not act like we were surprised. Let's not act like Canelo just went out there and dominated because he didn't. He really didn't. If he was really that, that dominant, that good, he really would have put Charlo on his ass, which he really didn't. He really didn't. And that one time, Charlo just took a knee, and, and that was that. But, uh... Honestly, I think he fought the wrong Charlo brother. brother. He should have fought the one that was going through uh, the little mental state and that's finally back. That's the Charlo brother that he needs to fight, the one that's undefeated. 
Uh, Jamel, bro, he he was not playing up to his his real potential. I don't know what's going on, but I think I think like Oscar De La Hoya said, man, Jamel Charlo really was just there for the money. He wasn't there to win the fight, and that's um, settle it on that. But I, I think that Canelo, Canelo, he is a good fighter, but honestly, I think. Um, History will tell you that Canelo, yes, he's good. He's not really great. I think he's good, and, and he ducks uh, fighters, and he and he picks his competition at the right time. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's more about him, how he picks his competition versus who he's uh, fighting because some of the fighters he be taking on, they be like Hall of Fame talent, you know, as far as boxing. But... Uh, he pick them at a time where they fall right out of their prime and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? And really, I mean, and let's not act like Mayweather didn't do the same thing because what he really did is take a page out of uh, Mayweather's book. And he's kind of doing what Mayweather did. But I think Mayweather did it a little bit better than Canelo. And he made his fights look better. He looked way more dominant. And that's why I say Canelo's okay. But he ain't great, bro. He ain't great. And if you got something to say about that, get at me, man. But I feel like the other Charlo brother could beat him. And there's other boxers out there that can beat him. And uh, if we had uh, Bud out there at the same weight, you know, if they, they meet at the same weight, I think Bud could beat Canelo. And honestly, I feel like pound for pound, Bud is the best fighter out there. And number two, I would actually put Shakur Stevenson. So, hey, that's what I'm thinking because, honestly, Shakur... Is the closest thing to Mayweather when it comes to counter punching and evading punches, not getting hit. That boy defense is elite, bro, and he deliver good, good uh counter attack every time. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's what I think. Shakur Stevenson uh, is number two, number three. Um, I don't know. I have to revisit that. But next episode, I give y'all my my real uh, top five pound for pound fighters, um for sure. But Hey, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this episode, man. It's time for some football. Um, and hopefully, y'all enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of The HSC.